May the doors of this place be wide enough to receive all who hunger for love, all who are lonely for friendship. May it welcome all who have cares to unburden, thanks to express, hopes to nurture. May the doors of this place be narrow enough to shut out pettiness and pride, envy and enmity. May its threshold be no stumbling block to young or to strained feet. May its threshold be too high to admit complacency, selfishness and harshness. May this place be for all who enter the doorway to richness and to a more meaningful life. Words from a, a Jewish prayer book. So good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. Our doors are open each and every Sunday of the year, welcoming all people of goodwill to join this community that encourages us to be ourselves, to be who we truly are. However we're feeling, whatever is going on for us in life right now, we're here to remind one another that we are, each of us, okay, okay, just as we are. So let's take a moment to have that particular message sink in. We are okay, just as we are. Let's breathe that in. And as we breathe it out, we might want to let go of any particular feelings that don't support that kind of message. We are okay, just as we are. Let's breathe in the acceptance and breathe out any doubts that we may have about our worth, about our value here in this world. And as we breathe in that warm sense of being accepted, accepted just as we are, let's align ourselves now with that which we hold to be of greatest worth. The spirit of love itself filling our very being and whispering to us an inner message of acceptance and welcome. And our chalice flame is lit. It's reminding us of the one light shining in all that exists. It's connecting us with Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities the world over. And it's proclaiming today one of life's essential messages that we belong here together and we are truly welcome. If you have a look towards the back of this grey hymn book, you'll find some readings. Have a look for number 490, which is a poem by Mary Oliver called Wild Geese. American poet Mary Oliver died earlier this year after a lifetime of expressing deep ideas in simple form, often using her observations of the natural world and the East Coast American seashores and marshlands that she so appreciated. I'll read the whole poem through and then we'll invite you to join in speaking it a second time, reading the lines in italics with Sarah in unison. 
wild geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clear blue sky, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. And let's take that message of welcome now into a time of prayer and reflection. Let's, let's create this as sacred time and space by our intention and by our attention, by our sense of togetherness, inviting the spirit of life and love to be with us all. In this world where people so often feel that they are not good enough, may we learn to value our unique gifts. May we learn to recognize the spark of divine potential in all we meet, including ourselves. May we learn to accept life's imperfections in ourselves, in others, in our wider world. May we understand the value of being good enough, flawed and still okay. And in this world where so many people struggle with shortages of, of money, of time, of food, of clean water, of places to live, of safe spaces, 
of freedom, of love, of companionship. May we do all we can to write injustices that there may be a fairer sharing of this world's resources. May we truly understand how best to meet our needs rather than our greeds. May each of us find that peaceful space within ourselves where we can rest in the knowledge that we have what we need and that it is enough. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, I invite you to rest in this awareness of enough. And from a place of plenty, let us now direct our thoughts to places and people we know to be in need this day. We might especially think of the people of Hong Kong, fearing erosion of democratic rights. We might think of the politicians here in Britain, that they might seek truly to serve the greatest good of all, rather than their own self-interest. We might pray for all those whose lives have been lost or changed forever, in the attack on Friday and in so many other troubled places in our world. May all be surrounded by love and care. And may we find space in our hearts to care about those caught up in violent ideologies. And may love hold all the pain of this world in its embrace, this day and all days. Amen. Amen. We, um, we often use teaching stories from, from the uh, holy fool Mullah Nasruddin of, of the Sufi tradition here. And, and although they're often ridiculous stories, yet there's, there's an underlying message to be found in all of them. And when I was looking through a collection that I'd got of these stories, so many of them seemed to hinge on this idea of, well, what is enough? Um, so 
you know, from different angles. So just two stories now, one, one being about ownership, because this whole concept of well, what do we own, what belongs to us as individuals is a really interesting one. And this is the story of um, Nasruddin at the time of his life when he was a householder and, and having the experience of waking up in the night and finding a thief busily stealing items from his home, putting the items in the sack. So Nasruddin joins the thief and starts putting a few more items in the sack. And the thief was bewildered and turned to Nasruddin and asked, what in the world are you doing? Well, Nasruddin replied, I thought we were moving, so I began helping to pack. What belongs to who? And then this one I had never actually read before. And again, it comes from Nasruddin's midlife time when he was um, quite, a, quite a merchant and he loaded a barrel of cherries onto his famous donkey and went off to the bazaar to sell them. And on his way, um, a group of about a dozen children noticed him and they were just absolutely elated to see all the cherries he was carrying. So delicious. They began dancing and singing in anticipation of eating cherries. Mother, they said, please give us some of your cherries. Now, that put Nazruddin in a bit of a pickle because he was somebody who adored children. He wanted to please them. He didn't like to see them disappointed. But on the other hand, he also loved profits and he didn't want to sacrifice that either. So he thought the matter over carefully and eventually he took six cherries out of the barrel, gave them to the children to share. Well, can we have more? The children asked. Listen. Nasruddin replied, these cherries, they all taste the same. What difference does it make if you eat half a cherry or you eat 50? <laughs> and I'm going to remember that story. <laughs> I think it may have a message for me. But for me, it's about books. What difference would it make to have 50 books or one? I'm just going to, to read a few sort of disparate extracts from a book by Wayne Muller called A Life of Being, Doing and Having Enough, in a way because he seems to say it a lot better than I can. Um, so I'll just pause a bit between each of the bits. He's a, he's a spiritual writer. Um, there are some excellent pieces by him on the internet if you want to know more about Wayne Muller. He's advocating living in the moment, in simplicity, with a sense of sufficiency and with gratitude. And he starts by writing, we have sometimes forgotten what enough feels like. A life of enough is born in every moment, in the way we listen, the way we respond to the world, the way we see what is and the way we tell the truth of who we are. Every single choice, every single moment 
Every change of course can bring us closer to a life of peace, of contentment, of authenticity and easy sufficiency. A life of being, having and doing enough. Eventually in life we must learn that nothing, no thing or person or relationship or fortune will ever belong to us. It is all on loan. And here is the final thing we must know. We carry within us a fierce grace that will not be extinguished, does not break, cannot ever leave us comfortless. It lives in us. This life force, whatever it is that allows a blade of grass to push up, up through concrete to reach warmth and sun, this life force lives in us. This is what we are made of. If we trust in this impossibly resilient capacity to bear all we are given and recalibrate our speed in such a way that we allow ourselves to feel that searing, burning loss of something or someone precious, then we can stand passionately and honestly before one another and offer our most deeply, impossibly suffering hearts fearless, honest, loving kindness. And it is from this shared kindness, born of our own sorrow and loss, that we find with and for one another in shared loving companionship some tender budding fragrance of enough This single flame marks the start of Advent. It's a time of preparation and anticipation in the Christian calendar. It's a sacred time. It's a time often marked out for stillness, for reflection, and a time when each of us might ask, well, what is enough for me? What message do I most need to hear from this simple yet profound word, enough, at this time of year and at this time of my life? What is enough for me? So I invite you to take that question into the fellowship of stillness and restfulness. We're going to be listening to a beautiful piece of cello and piano music. Uh, from Johann Sebastian Bach, played for us by Abby and Sandra, 
and when the music comes to an end, um, let's sit for a few minutes in companionable stillness and silence together, and then that will end with a chime from our bell.
So our ministry theme for December here at Essex Church is scarcity and abundance. And today we're exploring what enough means for us. There are many angles from which to approach this deceptively simple word, enough. It's a word that can provide a a helpful counterbalance, can't it, for all of those of us who have absorbed those messages from childhood that love and approval and positive regard are conditional. The idea that we must try harder, do better, be more, do more, have more, if we are to gain the love and approval of others. It can take some of us a lifetime truly to take in and believe the message that we are good enough, just as we are without the endless striving, without that painful self-criticism. And I, I suspect that most of us have some particular area of life where we do doubt our own value, can feel a quiet, sometimes shameful place of of seeming self-knowledge, can't it? Where we feel we have failed or are failing, where we are somehow less than those around us. And the only antidote I have ever personally found for that is to share those ghastly feelings with other people and realise that they have their version of it, that we are not actually in this place alone. And and if I could choose one Christmas present for everyone in this world, it might be to experience the restfulness of being told and of telling ourselves the truth that we are all right, just as we are, that, that we are okay and there's nothing to do, nothing to prove, nothing to change, no striving required of us. Let's breathe that message in for a moment and imagine sending it back out as a message of peace and ease to people around us and out there on the busy streets, to people who are struggling with life in many different ways, a message of it is enough and we are enough. A message that could sink deep into every heart, reminding us all that we are actually inevitably imperfect and that our lives have many loose, unfinished strands and that aiming for good enough is a high enough ambition for most of us, most of the time. And yes, we know other truths, that our world contains so many people who are not okay, who are struggling to put a meal in front of their children or themselves, who are fearful of switching on the heating because they won't be able to pay the bills. As a child, I was somewhat haunted by Oliver Twist, Charles Dickens's novel, and, and that bit, that bit of the young boy eating gruel in the Victorian workhouse daring to utter the request, please, sir, I want some more, to an astonished and horrified manager and his wife. My heart is aching still for all who are hungry this day, because that is a truth that we have to cut ourselves off from a lot of the time, that people are hungry right now and don't have access to clean drinking water. And... and, And all those people experience hidden, experiencing hidden hungers, which are just as real, aren't they? That hunger for companionship, uh, the hunger for touch, 
the hunger for meaning and purpose in life and the hunger for kindness, heaven forbid. I wonder what hidden hungers you are particularly aware of within yourself or, or within those you know and love. Because they're there, aren't they, for all of us. We carry hidden yearnings, some of which we are aware of or we know only too well, and perhaps on a good day they can almost feel like an old friend who's returning. Ah, you again. (laughs) And there are other hungers that hide their face from us and yet unconsciously direct our behaviours and our habitual natures. And here we are at the start of the Christmas season, which can trigger off plenty of feelings of not being good enough or not being one of the crowd. It's a time that requires special care of ourselves and others. And I'm really glad it's something that Jane's going to be touching on in our service uh, next week on a blue Christmas. This is the time when comparing our lives with others may trigger dissatisfaction and despair. We'll find ourselves yearning perhaps for more. And we each have to navigate our own way, don't we? Through all the exhortations to buy more, give more, have more. I'm really grateful to all the people who on social media this weekend have been putting alternate messages, subverting capitalism's urge for us to snap up those bargains only available for the next 36 hours. My favourite alternate message was, save 100% this weekend, buy nothing. (laughs) Written in big, bold, red, flashing letters. So December is a useful time for us to consider our addictive natures, those parts of us that can feel driven, that yearn for more. Those aspects of all of our lives, I think that it's all of our lives, where we are a little bit grasping or where we feel an urge to accumulate, those feelings of dissatisfaction, the appetites that it can be hard to stay consciously aware of. Now we know some of the neuroscience behind our addictive searches for more in life. We understand that it was the prehistoric human being who was most alert to the new discovery, whatever the prehistoric version of buy it now, only 36 hours. We we understand that it was the human being most alert to the new discoveries, the feeding opportunities, the chance to get ahead, to be there first, that succeeded and stayed alive. We understand that there's a part of our brain which rewards us actually makes us feel better when we grasp and acquire and accumulate. And what is now required of us, living as we do on a crowded planet, is that we temper our desires with other motivations. With Mahatma Gandhi's words to encourage us, there is enough for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greeds. We can examine our lifestyles and we can make adjustments in response to environmental imperatives. And we can counterbalance our unconscious appetites with a very consciously chosen path of self-awareness. We can sit, can't we, all of us, with those aching senses of loss, those horrible feelings of 
wanting more. We can befriend our yearnings rather than being frightened of them. For some, of our yearnings may be signposts which could guide us forwards in life, indicating what we next want to head towards. This is the choosing of a star to guide us. In a sky filled with myriad pinpricks of light, what shall we choose? Which path is ours next? Because we cannot follow them all. And sometimes our yearnings cannot be our guides towards new choices. Sometimes our yearnings are the necessary regrets that assail most lives from time to time, especially, I am living proof of, when we get older, we have not done everything that we would wish we could have done. And I think there really is comfort to be found in sharing those regrets with others and in knowing that we are not alone. Perhaps that is the star that does not lead us onwards, but rather allows us to sit peacefully with that which is here in the here and now. And alongside our examination of our yearnings for more, let's consciously encourage in ourselves and one another the best antidote I have found to feelings of dissatisfaction. And I know many of you already know this one. It's a sense of gratitude for all that is, for all that we are and all that we have been given. Knowing as that, that hymn reminded us earlier on that life is the greatest gift of all, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I, for one, am really grateful to be walking this part of life with you all. Amen. Ramdas writes that our whole spiritual transformation brings us to the point where we realize that in our own being we are enough. So in the week ahead let's remind ourselves of that, that we are enough. Let's remind one another that we are good enough just as we are. And let's remember to examine our yearnings from time to time and use them to guide our ways of being in this world so that we may truly live for the greater good of all. Amen. Amen. Go well and blessed be.